0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network, we are the podcast of
1: champions.
2: Out on the
1: field. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online.
2: And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner,
0: going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown!
1: We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24 7 Sports Network.
2: And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together, we make the podcast of champions talking all things Pac-12 football. We had a really fun weekend of Pac-12 games, some morning games, some afternoon games, some Pac-12 after dark games, ranked-on-ranked matchups. We had some high-octane offenses. We've had some rock fights. We had a lot of fun. So we get to recap all of that. It's a Monday morning. If you're listening to us uh, on the podcasting platform, we are doing a recap show this week. I'm not on vacation for some reason. I had to go travel to the desert, which is a lot of fun. We're going to recap. And then later on in the week, probably on Thursday, we'll do a preview of the upcoming week that includes a Friday game. Uh, should be a lot of fun. But David, I'm, I'm ready to do some Pack 12 recapping uh, with you. And you brought me donuts this morning, so that was nice.
1: It was nice. Uh, was it something I did out of the goodness of my heart? No. Was it something Ryan explicitly requested? Yes. Yeah. And I did it anyway.
2: Well, you were going to be here early. That's true. So uh, we do that. But we are uh, live on our YouTube channel, which we're up to like 1,400 subscribers now. So thanks so much for doing that. We just started that, I guess, a few months ago or whatever it was. Um, well, How long? Did we do it last year? No. This was like... I don't remember. But whatever. Doing we, two shows, you mean? The uh no, the YouTube one. How long have we been? We doing did that?
1: that last season. We, yeah, we started, started at the
2: beginning of last season. Last season. Okay. Yeah. So pretty nice. So thank you guys for all tuning in to that. If you have questions for the show, uh you can email us, pack twelve podcast at gmail.com, or you could call or text us, we did get a drunken voicemail that we'll play for you later. 424-532-0678. You can tweet us at Pac Twelve Podcast, and the website is Pac Twelve Podcast.com. If you have the uh, Apple Podcasting app on any of your devices, leave us a five-star review and rating. That's awesome. We appreciate that so much. You can trash us in the review, whatever you'd like to do. Uh, Do we have any new ones, David? We have five new ones. What? We have five new reviews? Yeah, here we go. Okay, I'll put Uh, up some comments as this goes on.
1: This is from K12395Stars. Wife's phone. This is a review from my wife's phone. I've already reviewed. I'm just listening to Dave and being a loyal POC listener. Five stars. Love you, boys awesome nice we love it that's super cool this is from tor Emmett or for Emmett, sorry uh five stars good times ryan is a very pleasant guy who makes sensible observations dave has this very scholarly understanding of the x's and o's very sophisticated analysis both guys are parentheses not homers and call things the way they see them it's got to be a joke right
2: uh no i don't think so
1: okay great I think they must be listening to a different show. Uh, This is a five-star review from Rage323Machine. This is fine. This podcast is like trying to juggle flaming pineapples while riding a unicycle on a tightrope stretched across a shark-infested volcano. It's a fine recommendation if you're into the thrill of not knowing whether you'll laugh, cry, or question your life choices. Don't expect much, but hey, you might end up feeling surprisingly okay about your life decisions after listening to this wild ride. These folks are like the Wikipedia of random knowledge. You'll go in thinking you know stuff, and you'll come out questioning your own existence. And oh boy, they're tasting beer. It's like they're on a quest to find the absolute worst brews known to humanity. Golden Road? More like Fool's Gold Road. I'd offer to send them some Ravenna brewing from Seattle, but I fear for the safety of Seattle's beer scene if they get their hands on it. Go
2: dogs! You know, it's funny. One of the cool things about being in, uh, in the desert out in Scottsdale, um, they got the Kilt Lifter. It's a red ale that I really like, and it's like everywhere. Uh, So I get that all the time when I'm in uh, Scottsdale. Happy for you. Yeah.
1: This is a five-star review from Rigel Wise. Uh, Big boys. Uh, It's Big Ten, but it's big boys. Gotcha. I thought as UW fan that I was finally going to get the stank of Southern Cali out of my college football media when USC and UCLA decided to try to duck the other members of the greatest conference in America. Sadly, that stank doesn't wash off easily, and this podcast is the stankiest. God help the Big Ten with its newest additions. God help us all awesome well that's amazing reviews how do we get five we have one more
2: oh oh that was four okay you gotta keep
1: gotta keep the count Uh, gotcha uh, yeah uh five's the number you know like uh get your count chocolate going on Mm. all right here is screwy louis 44 five stars podcast of champions if you're in search of a hidden gem that does zero prep and is wrong most of the time then look no further this podcast earns a glorious five-star rating from yours truly and let me tell you why Firstly, let's talk about their absurdly good looks. David Woods could easily pass as a member of the Deadliest Catch crew, and Ryan Abraham looks (laughs) like he moonlights as the local spinning instructor at your YMCA. Mm. It's hotness overload, folks, catering to all audiences, of course. Secondly, have you ever wondered what a college football podcast with Harry Dunn and Lloyd Christmas from Dumb and Dumber would be like? Well, wonder no more, because the college football gods have answered our prayers with the podcast of champions. Keep up the mediocre, mediocre
2: work, guys. Love it. Thank you. Beautiful five-star reviews. Beautiful. Love all that. Uh thank you so much. Those were awesome. We appreciate it. We also appreciate our friends over at My Bookie, my picks this week, David. We're 3 and 3. So, a break even week, but we'll hopefully be better this weekend. Uh if you're an NFL fan, as you know, Aaron Rodgers season is officially over but yours could just begin at my bookie NFL college ball and brand new cash out system gives you the best options to bet and win all season long. The first two legs of your parlay hit, you could cash out early and place another bet or let it ride for a chance at a bigger payday. Join us at my bookie for an entire season filled with daily odds, boost same day game parlays and huge prize pool contests. Right now, my bookie has no strings attached cash bonus that lets you deposit and withdraw quick. If you use promo code PAC-12, that's still our promo code, PAC-12, for your first deposit of $50 or more, you can receive up to $200 in cash instantly credited to your MyBookie account. That's promo code PAC-12 to claim your cash bonus now. You can bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only at MyBookie. So, Beautiful read. Count thanks. not here. Just literally first time looking at it. So it's good. Amazing. Yeah. You know, that's how you should read everything. (laughs) That's pretty much how we do everything. We don't look at this stuff ahead of time. Um, Do that. We have some uh, breaking news. Uh, There are four Pac-12 teams in the AP top 10, David.
1: And surely they're spread around
2: some, like they're all over that top 10. Yeah. Like, you know, two, four, no, uh, USC dropped down uh, after beating Arizona State three spots. They're at number eight. <laughs> you okay there? Why? Because <laughs> they looked amazing. Uh, Washington moves up a spot from eight to seven. So you got Washington seven. You got USC eight. Oregon moved up a spot from 10 to nine. And Utah, because of that offensive explosion, moved up from 11 to 10. So we have four Pac-12 teams. You saw them score a touchdown, didn't you? I did. I saw them score
1: two. Just one of them was not on offense.
2: No, no, no. Yeah. Right. Like Iowa would take that. Uh. (laughs) Iowa would take any points. (laughs) Um, And, you know, fringe Pac-12 member Notre Dame's at 11. So there's a whole bunch of teams grouped in there. Um, You got some SEC teams kind of come in after that. Washington State is up five spots to number 16. You could argue they could be uh, higher. Uh, the Beavs did; they stayed in the top twenty-five, which is good. So this is like a Pac-12 team, like an Oregon State losing early and still staying in the top twenty-five. I like that. Uh, they fell to number nineteen. I think that's fair—five spots uh, down there. And we did see uh, UCLA drop out and Colorado drop out. So six Pac-12 teams are ranked, but four in the top ten.
1: Yeah, um, I think it's a pretty good result for that week. I think the only thing, maybe, that would have been, you know, just from a Pac-12 standpoint. If UCLA had won and if Colorado, you know, had somehow looked respectable at least, uh, remaining eight ranked teams would have been cool. But six at this point in the year, uh is still very impressive and I think speaks to what we were saying preseason. Pac twelve ascendant.
2: Yeah, I would say Colorado, yeah, needed to show up. Uh they did not, so it's gonna be tough to be ranked at that point. But yeah. um
1: yeah. yeah. You need to actually play in the football game.
2: UCLA, you know, you can't go like six and out 20 times and then be ranked probably. So I don't know. But we'll we'll get into all that kind of stuff. I did Why the, not? Utah did. That's <laughs> true. Uh, do you know what the – so this is the – we're the podcast of champions, right? The Pac-12. We? we have the Pac-12. We are covering the Pac-12. Um, next year, these teams are not going to be in the same conference. I mean, I, it, I, that's uh, um, some breaking news if you didn't know that already. Do you know what the record of the teams would be in the future conferences? I broke it down for you. Well, so the Pac-2
1: has one loss. Right. They're 7-1. Okay. Uh, the Big Ten has one loss.
2: 15-1, and one, future Big Ten teams are. The Big
1: 12 has three losses? Five. 11-5. Uh, right. Because Colorado. Uh, Colorado, yeah. All right. And then uh, the ACC. Yes. <laughs> How weird is that? Uh, what is it? Four, five? Three and five. Damn.
2: Yeah. So Cal's two and two, uh, and Stanford's one and three. So, um, what's with
1: my lighting? That's what. Uh, that's what West Texas Mike wants to know.
2: Oh, hold on. Let me. Uh, why
1: am I in shadow? Wh- why gonna... do I look like a villain? Okay. Well. Why do I look like a... I'm? Why do I look like there's a hostage video being taken of me? It looks like you're lit. Is that light on? That light is not on. Oh, well, I'm on. not staring into a Let me bright turn it on. light. I'm
2: going to put you guys on um, Show you can, you can yeah, see, see what's see going on. see the magic on. happen. This is the magic happening. Yeah, that's
1: right. I want to be shining. Is he shiny? happy people? See my pores.
2: Um, is that better? Yeah. West Texas Mike, is that better? Do Tell like, us. Do you like the lighting better? We could have you move to your left a little bit.
1: No, not going to do it. Yeah, just like a little. Why should
2: I change? You're the one that sucks. <laughs> There you go. See, now that you're well lit. um, Perfect stuff. Uh, Thank you for that. Yeah, I thought that was kind of I was like, I wonder what the records are. Um, Yeah, the future Big Ten teams are 15 and one. Pretty, uh, pretty. If UCLA could have won that game, that'd be amazing. Like all the the future Big Ten teams would have been undefeated. So Um, we did do our survival pool picks. Dave and I both survived picking Arizona. We'll do the picks later in the week. But we do have some notes uh, from our buddy Matthew. Uh, We're down to 100 people. So 111 went into week four. We have 100 left. He wants us to remind everybody, if you're one of the 100, send in your picks. If not, don't. It just makes his job a lot harder. So don't send in a pick in week five saying, hey, I want to join the pool. No, you have to do it every week. You have to survive. We start with 355. Uh, We've had, I guess, three people over the last two weeks. Submit the same team twice. Um, So you can't just pick like Oregon every week or whatever. You have to change it up. So please don't do that. Um, We do want to say congratulations to Sam who picked Washington State. He was the only person to pick a uh, underdog and win.
1: I'll say this. We pay Matthew really well, but we don't pay him well enough to deal with your bullshit. Okay. So don't, don't, don't think you're getting one past him. He's smart. He's well paid. We pay him well, right? You handle the accounting, right? Right. Yeah. So uh, he's paid well. He gets –
2: He knows what he's doing. He gets a significant percentage of what we make on this podcast.
1: (laughs) But he doesn't get paid well enough to deal with you. Yeah. So make his life easy. Don't submit a pick if you're already out. Don't submit the same pick over again.
2: Just follow the rules. Follow the rules there. Um, So most people picked Arizona and won. We had 24 people pick USC. 22 people pick Washington. Uh, 14 took Oregon somewhat one person had Utah. They survived. One person like we mentioned Sam had Washington State. Uh, the people that lost picked Stanford. Uh, so bold move, but that's for not. yeah and I think eight people didn't pick so
1: too many people um, getting lost in the idea of like needing to pick Stanford when um, look, there's a chance they do it against Cal but otherwise you're
2: you're just you're just begging for a loss that's you're just I mean, begging they, to be out of this they should have that won goal. that game i mean it's like that would that would have that could have been the week i wasn't expecting that mm. that was uh mm. a little crazy mm. um yeah, our picks were not that great we were 3 and 3 uh we're 20 and 13 overall but i would say I mean, the two we lost were very close, and then the we were really wrong on the USC one. That you know, those huge spreads. But for the most part, we were like right in there. Um, some yeah. weird, weird stuff happened, but you know, I, I, a not great week, and we're still 500. I think we're doing okay. We're crushing it. But we're, we're 20 and 13 overall, so I like yeah. that against the spread. We have new power rankings and all that, and we got to get to uh, the game recap. So we have to do our Pac-12 Roundup. So, you ready, David? Anything else you wanted to say before? No, God, no. Okay. Uh, so, our number two, and I'll, by the way, I changed, I did put, um, uh, update the rankings. I made one move. What'd you make? Uh, I switched two and three. So, we can argue about it or we can Wow. It back. Ooh, ooh. Okay. So no, no, That's it, totally fine. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's all about the same. Yeah. It's just Ryan being a homer, but it's okay. Super, super homery. Uh, okay. Uh, we have our number 12 team Stanford Cardinal. And they were hosting our number nine team, Arizona Wildcats. Yeah,
1: so this one ended up a lot closer than the spread, uh, than what we predicted. I think it closed at Arizona minus 12 and a half. Um, They eventually won 21 to 20. Um, Mm -hmm. There were some slight mitigating circumstances. I would say the main one is Jaden Delora once again played a horrible Jaden Delora game and then got hurt. Yeah, uh, at the very end, which actually benefited Arizona because uh, Noah Fafita went in there and immediately ran the offense way better than Jaden Delora had been doing all game. Delora was doing this insane thing where he was dropping uh, like when he was going to pass and then he would just continue to drop. He would just continue to drop until he was well behind the pocket and then try to climb the pocket. But like the offensive line was like WTF, mate, we, like we don't even know where to start blocking for you because you're just dropping so far. <laughs> <laughs> um and he would just like basically like drop so far that he's then turning a, a what would be a normalish throw into something where he has to heave it downfield um he played a horrible game uh he, he looked awful uh and they i think they've got a decision to make now um whether Jaden Delore is healthy or not um he's not played particularly well this year uh he's done a lot of things that have harmed the team um and also you know the whole uh sexual assault thing so uh for for me Noah Fafita I mean look does he have like borderline walk-on energy like does he kind of look like I don't know Chase Griffin or whatever out there sure but does he run your offense okay yeah uh can he run the ball okay yeah uh and he's not doing like just these chaotic things I think their offensive system is good enough that having just a guy who will reliably deliver the ball and not do anything too drastically negative for your team. I don't know. I mean, Jaden Delora, you could make an easy case that he lost them that game at Mississippi State, and then he was working really hard on losing this one for them too. Um, now, on Stanford's end, look, I mean, their quarterback situation is really interesting. I don't know if what they're doing where they're platooning these guys and basically running them in and out mid-series is the right move. Um, it worked okay in certain respects in this game. I mean, Justin Lampson was – I think they're leading Rusher for the vast majority of this game uh out of the quarterback spot um and I know like Troy Taylor is just trying to manufacture something he's just yeah. trying to make something happen um it's not great but uh, he's he's generating more points um since that fateful disaster against USC uh I just I I, I don't know. I mean I, I I think uh I think Stanford's still poised for a 1-11 eleven, two 2-10 type type show in this yeah. year. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Arizona, I think they've got to figure something out at quarterback because Jaden Delore, I don't think is the answer even in this season, let alone the future.
2: No, I agree with you. And uh, we had one someone comment. Um, Tony said that he's out for Washington. I didn't, see, I didn't see that yet, but I guess if he's out this week. Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll see what that ends up doing for Arizona. But I didn't even realize this going in, David. Did you know that um, the uh, Michael w- Wiley was not going to be available very much? There was what there is that, but um, Arizona had a six game losing streak to Stanford coming into Yeah, this no,
1: I saw that. I saw that. Uh, they, they did that graphic at one point during the
2: game where the last time they won was 2009. 2006 at the farm was the last time they, they won on the road. And it was just like, whoa, they just had trouble. It's one of those things like, you know, Washington going to the desert or whatever.
1: Nick just- Foles beat Andrew Luck the last time they won. <laughs> How crazy is that? Like, that's insane. Um, especially considering how bad, I mean, obviously
2: Arizona has been pretty bad, but Stanford has been horrible now for several years. Yeah, no, that was bad. Um, you know, Noah Fafita comes in, uh, his first drive was a nine place, 67 yard, uh, drive to give Arizona a 21, 17 lead in the fourth quarter. So he came in and did well. I think, you know, get the fans kind of excited. Um, did you like, this was at the three quarter mark. And I know Stanford picked up a long one after that. Stanford was getting third downs like crazy. Um their average to go on third down was over 13 yards. Yeah, and they converted every single one of these suckers. They were cardinal quarterbacks cuz they played both like you said, 5 for 5, 97 yards on third down after after 3 quarters. Like that's crazy. So they were Arizona's defense was getting them into these you know, third and longs what you want, and then just kept giving them up all the time. It was absolutely well, and that's insane.
1: And that makes sense. I mean, if you look at what uh, the underlying numbers for Arizona this year, their run defense has actually been quite good. Like they're not allowing a yeah. whole lot of yards before contact. Like they're they're impacting running backs. Um, but they get into a third and long situation. I don't know if it's coverage scheme, coverage plays, whatever it is. But um, uh, yeah, they couldn't. They couldn't. Uh, on 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 big downs in this game. And that was the story. I mean, if if they play a normal if they if they do what teams normally do to third and longs, um, you know, Stanford doesn't get close and it's probably like 21 to 10, yeah. 28 to 10 because they wouldn't have had
2: so many scoring drives. All right, next up we have a number 11 team. They moved up from 15. They're actually 11 now, I think.
1: <laughs> Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and our number 2 team, they dropped a spot
1: usc Trojan. so i would have had usc drop in two spots i had them at number three um and not really i so uh this is gonna sound crazy for me a usc hater an avowed <laughs> usc hater i didn't hate their game like i i thought they were in a very strange spot you're playing on the road after a bye week that's weird you're playing against a team that has a new play caller this is the one note i would have i would think de- i would say defensively they weren't great and i i don't mean to uh I've been I've been trolling Alex Grinch for a long time. This isn't trolling. But I don't know how much they game planned for Kenny Dillingham's offense. I think they game planned for what they had seen from ASU in the previous 3 games. I don't think they had looked a lot at Oregon film. Uh because the play calling was wildly different from ASU in this game than it had been this the rest of the year. Uh so Denny Killingham um switched over to the play caller this week and that was public public information. Um, and they were doing a lot of stuff that was just wacky. I mean, they're throwing the whole thing out. Um, <laughs> uh, Scadabo, uh was two of three passing in this game uh, because they were throwing the whole playbook out. Uh, but they, they just didn't. Um, I didn't think USC was fully prepared for like a lot of unscouted looks. And that's just, you know, how much can you blame your DC for that? And how much is that just look? They, they, they threw every trick play out that they could do. And, you know, they're going to get some yardage out of it. So that was one thing Um, I thought tackling uh, was kind of poor for USC Uh, that one Scadabo run where he trucked the safety and then just kept running down the sideline. I'm distinctly remembering that one. Uh, So defensively, yes, some issues for USC, but I think also just, um, you know, a fresh play caller who kind of has a much better feel for it than very bad. Bo Baldwin uh, was a big factor for ASU on USC's end offensively. Um, You know, I thought Caleb Williams played okay. I didn't think he had one of his better games. Um, I think he was struggling a little bit with the coverages that ASU was playing. Um, I thought uh, Lincoln Riley had a poor game as a play caller. They should have been running the ball with Marshawn Lloyd a lot more. He had 14 carries uh, for 154 yards. They just went away from him for several drives in a row. Uh, Just run him. I mean, he could have gone for 300 in this game. Uh, That was probably the big note. I think they could have won this by another touchdown or two. I don't think they were covering 33 in any world with Dillingham doing his thing in this game. I think it might be a one-shot thing, though, for uh, ASU. They're not going to catch a team completely off guard again. And I think they caught USC off guard with all of that kind of trickery and uh, whatnot. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if Arizona State can carry any momentum from this game.
2: Yeah, no, I thought it did look a lot different. Um, And there were some plays that, you know, USC converted a third and 20 early on. Um, You know, they had a fumble on a kickoff return that they were lucky to get back. Like this could have been closer at times. And yeah, and and there was other times.
1: It was 24-21 at one point.
2: Yeah, and USC had like a touchdown called back for a— you know, offensive pass interference thing. There were some weird plays, kind of both ways or whatever. But I agree. Like it looked like you know the first time they lined up the punt, and I, w- we were in the press box and not even realizing USC didn't have anybody back to return the punt. It was because Scadaboo was like lined up and then did like a quick kick, like a you know like a yeah. quarterback would do. And then the second time they did that, USC ran a defender back, and then he runs for the first or th- I forget if he threw it or he ran. It. And picks up the first down. And he
1: was full aggro from the beginning of the game. I mean, they went for a fourth down, like, early. That was, like, a fourth and seven. And it wasn't even, like, in a super easy spot to go for it. Like, they were doing all kinds of crazy
2: stuff. No, and in USC, like, Caleb Williams just handed off on the first play of, like, the second drive. And they screw the handoff up and give Arizona State a gift touchdown. And Dillingham kicks an onside kick like right after yeah. that, and USC had to make a good play. So I did feel like they pulled out sort of all the stops, and it's hard to compare. Yes, they got shut out the week before by Fresno State, but they're never going to be that bad, and they're probably not going to be as good as we saw there. One of the common themes, though, USC ended up getting like eight sacks in this game, um, 15, fourteen tackles for a loss. So they end up they made a bunch of plays on defense, but they gave up. They this was their worst tackling game. I think they had fourteen missed tackles at least. Uh, But watch, okay, so you probably can't see this, David, but um, Caleb Williams was not expecting, USC's offense, yeah, he had five touchdowns, Caleb Williams did, but the offense wasn't able to get in, they weren't able to get into like a rhythm because like the pre-snap stuff was terrible, like the crowd was loud, uh, it was sold out stadium, and they just had a hard time, he was trying to change the play a lot and just like call the play, whatever you ran was going to work just go to the line and call the play but he was trying to change things and they would get false starts and everything one of the confusing aspects was that i'll play the video for you caleb williams getting um a snap when he walks up to the line of scrimmage <laughs> just and just gets someone right uh in another region so there was that and then uh chris giovino was filming um uh filming at the uh, uh field level and uh lake mccree the usc uh tight end one of the Arizona State defenders in a pile after I think it was a a quick Caleb Williams touchdown. He gets kicked, kicked <laughs> kicked in the balls. So there was uh, some some funny incidences uh, at the USC game. But tough thought, one. Thought uh, I'd bring yeah. that up. Yeah,
1: a lot of a lot of sack jokes after that one. is yeah. this is this what you call a sack? There was a lot
2: of sacks. I um,
1: guess, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, there was uh, and like just a ton of penalties um,
2: for USC, especially early. Um, But yeah, Yeah, they had like seven penalties in the first quarter. It was just they were really sloppy coming into this one. Looked like rust after a bye week, and you know they had trouble week four last year at Oregon State. They didn't look like the same team on the road. They didn't look that great on the road this one either.
1: Yeah, and uh, yeah, Uh, and it was just I I would say one thing about ASU's defense. I think they are significantly better than a year ago. Um, They're. They made it hard for USC, uh, and it wasn't just the crowd. Like they were, they were making them drive
2: and work a lot more than they're used to. Um, yeah. So I will say that for ASU. Search, um, hold on, where to go? Search says uh, so. Not eight sacks, ten sacks. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, that was good. I put the wrong one up, but you get this. So that's a self sack when they uh, yeah. snap it into a ball. Uh, look at the production value. We have video of that stuff for you guys. Yeah, that's dude. what we do here. glad i set that up
1: for you
2: so you could yes okay our number 10 team california golden bears they're on the road taking on our new number one team washington
0: huskies
2: hey ryan
1: uh this game was 14 to nothing washington before washington took the ball on offense
2: yeah uh michael Penix jr you know like heisman trophy candidate with they had a 14-0 lead before he touched the ball. Yeah. Uh Cal, I mean,
1: Cal technically, like, they accounted for three touchdowns before Washington touched the ball. So <laughs> they threw a pick six, then they kicked a punt that they didn't cover that uh turned into a touchdown. And then they scored their own touchdown. So that's really just a gamut. You know, they they it was a it was a potpourri. Um just a full uh, showing from them, um, yeah. So Washington ended up winning fifty nine to thirty two. A little deceptive. Uh, this was pure, unadulterated blowout uh, after halftime, after three quarters. But then, as Kalen DeBoer has made a habit of doing, uh, he allows um, uh, like compensatory scoring at the end of a blowout to mm. uh, put you know I I don't know. Give everyone a nice thought to go home with. Like, I mean, he's a very generous and kind fellow, but he did this last year, too. I want you to cover big, dude. I don't want to have to worry about the end of a blowout, whether you're going to uh, cover your 21 or not. Uh, they won by 27. Yeah. They, they should have won by 38. Like I was this, in the press
2: box like, are we not going to cover this? Like, yeah. Is this, if, Come on. This Kalen. would be the worst. We're counting on you. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, we needed this pick, obviously.
1: I mean, a lot of people are talking up Cal's defense before this game. Uh, yeah, no, 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 none of that. Uh, There's sermons involved. All right, so I will say there, was, there were moments where Michael Penix didn't look like he could just toss it wherever he wanted. Uh, he did look a little flummoxed at times. He'd roll out, and it would just be, wait, wait, wait. Uh, his one pick was something where he was rolling out, trying to make something happen, and there was nothing open downfield. So I will give Cal slight credit for that. But for the most part, Washington did what it does against everyone this year, and they eviscerated them. Uh, They scored 45 points. Um, Running the ball, I thought they were pretty good. Uh, Dylan Johnson, Will Nixon both did a nice job. Uh, So, you know, it's a cast of thousands kind of doing it, but they're doing fine. And, uh, you know, Cal, you could almost talk yourself into them being okay if they just had a more competent quarterback situation. Uh, But Ben Finley's out there throwing just – picks that you see from you know walk-ons thrown into a game like it just doesn't he's he's not he's not making good decisions with the football um and when that happens you just can't get going enough on offense i think they've got a good scheme i just don't think they have the right quarterback for it uh so the end result is a blowout here um i think cal's gonna win a couple of games though i just i don't think they're that bad i don't think they're in the uh Stanford and maybe ASU is still level, um, but they were pretty darn bad in this game.
2: Yeah, though they were, um, you know, pick six, punt return. And it's like you're giving Washington points before their Heisman Trophy candidate quarterback even touches the ball. Like that's absolutely insane. You can't do that kind of stuff. Um, It was raining too, a little rain. Uh Uh, So that makes it a little fun. I don't know if you – did you know that it rains in Seattle sometimes? Weird. Yeah. Huh. I didn't never heard about that, but apparently it's a thing. Um, they are the first Pac-12 team. Washington is to have a passing touchdown, an interception return for a touchdown, and a punt return touchdown in the first quarter of a game. That's so, cool. That's pretty neat. Thank you, Cal. Yeah, here's the concerning thing. I want to get your thoughts on this. Like, remember with the the whole joke about Cal not offensing and stuff. And I know, like, kind of blowout city, but overall for the game. Cal was 10 of 17 on third downs. Like they were pretty good. You know, that. No, schematically, like this offense should score more. Yeah.
1: But Ben Finley is not a good quarterback and Sam Jackson is really one dimensional.
2: So good. I don't know if that's concerning that they were so successful on third down and every red zone trip, four for four, all touchdowns for Cal. And I know someone was late, but um, I think Washington, you know, there's some similarity. You know, we thought Washington's defense, well, I thought they'd be better this year i think they are but i think i think there's still some real concerns there now they can outscore people you know similar like usc um but you know a little concern that that cal was able to sustain kind of drives like that yeah against washington
1: yeah i would be you know mildly concerned if i'm washington about the defense i think the secondary had some issues
2: yeah um all right we had a uh, search comment i mean why these the wrong ones keep coming up what's going on with this this is uh you're fat fingering it. No, like you're selecting something and it's supposed to pop up on the screen and then it doesn't and he says Cal's a giver. Give you dub that stat. Give the ACC its media money. How generous. Um yeah, Cal's donating it's 70% back to the ACC. That is very nice of them. Okay. Uh next very kind. Yeah. We already talked about um number Oh uh, no, we do we not we haven't talked about that one yet. Uh we have no Arizona, we already did, right? Arizona, we just did, yes. Y- yeah, okay. Arizona, we already did. Uh, this was a big one. Number eight. Colorado Buffalo. And then our number three team that David had, too. Oregon Ducks. Yeah. Uh, um,
1: this wasn't good. Mm. No. Uh, Marquee game. Ranked unranked. So, uh, yeah, Colorado lost um, forty-two to six at in Eugene. Mm. Um, For most of this game, they had I think under like fifty yards of offense. Uh, It wasn't until the tail end that Oregon kind of led up and allowed them to score um, towards the very end. But they were, I think, they were negative rushing the ball or nearly negative, and then they had like sixty passing yards for most of the game. Um, yeah, I mean, Oregon came in motivated. If you saw uh, Landanning's pregame speech, he channeled like every uh, sunglass avatar on Twitter uh, in saying, you know, they believe in YouTube, you know, we believe in playing on the grass or some crap like that. It was, you know, inspiring moment for his team, I'm sure. Uh, And they blew out Colorado real bad. Uh, Bo Nix, I don't think he threw an incomplete pass. For he probably still hasn't, actually. Um yeah, I mean, everything we kind of saw from uh what Colorado State was able to do to Colorado's lines, uh Oregon did basically and did it better and more consistently. And then they showed what they can do with like a legit offensive scheme, play calling, and a coach who's really going for the throat. You know, Jay Norvell was play acting of doing that, but then he kind of lost his will at the end of that game. But this is a team with top ten talent doing that exact same thing to Colorado and the results were kind of as expected. I mean, we both took Oregon in this game to cover 21 or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, But uh, the, the, I think the, the enormity of the blowout was kind of what stood out to me. The fact that they were able to shut them down consistently throughout the entire game, throughout the entire meaningful game action defensively was probably the main thing that stood out to me. I thought Colorado would score a little bit and I thought Oregon would just continue to score. I thought it was going to be something like 59 to 24, you know, something like that, not uh, 42 to 6. So that that was kind of nuts to me. Um, Yeah, they put seven sacks on Shador Sanders in this game. Uh, And that's happened to him now a lot. He's getting a lot of hits. Uh, And but it's just Oregon was Oregon wasn't just doing that. They were also suffocating every possibility of him hitting a throw too. Uh, and it s- certainly didn't help that Travis Hunter was out, but Travis Hunter maybe accounts for one more touchdown.
2: Like, it- this is a blowout no matter what. 100% uh, blowout there, and it was personal. And this is, you know, you want to caution, is Oregon this good, is Colorado that bad? I don't think we both were not really high. I mean, we both took Oregon minus 21 uh, in this one. But when it's, when there, there was such a high motivating factor for, Land Danning, uh, they wanted this bad. This was not – and this was not going to be like a, get a little bit of a lead and then sit on the I – mean, they were going – you know, they went for it. What was yeah. it? Uh, fourth and goal when they were up 35 nothing or whatever. Like this was sending a message. There was a lot involved in this one. Like if they these two teams played again, you know, if they played in Boulder or some neutral like, – I don't know if it's going exactly like this, but this was like everything sort of came to a head and this was going to have to happen. Um, it was pretty crazy to kind of see uh the way this went going. And the, the quote was, They're fighting for clicks, we're fighting for wins. Um, and it just seemed like, you know, when when you're talking and getting questions about the opposing coach more than your own team, stuff like that can be a motivating factor for people. Um They they uh Oregon was deep in their own end, up thirteen nothing and ran a fake punt. Like yeah. On their own side. Like, this was deep on their own side. And they're like, it worked great. Um, Bo Nix now is the first quarterback with 55 or more touchdowns for two different schools, obviously Auburn and Oregon. I thought that was cool. You mentioned the seven sacks for the Ducks. um, uh, Oregon had a 22-4 to first down advantage in the first half, and it was like 30-10 to or something, like, overall. The nine Colorado drives, uh, there were eight punts, and that's the tied for the most punts. Rick New will be proud, but for the most punts of the Pac twelve this season. Yeah, it just wasn't good. Uh and it wasn't even like Sh Sanders got sacked. It was like hold on to the ball, run backwards and get and hold on longer and get sacked for like bigger yardage. I mean, it was it was ugly. It was bad.
1: Yeah, he he um, looked he looked rattled. I i am I'm, I'm concerned about that offensive line over the balance of the season. I think we're going to be seeing Colorado's backup quarterback at some point, and I don't even know who that is.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, we will. I don't know. That was that was not good. I guess Travis Hunter. We got a. Um. Ryan says Travis Hunter streaming himself playing a basketball video game during the game. <laughs> I did not see that. I cannot confirm.
1: One thing I will say about um, uh, college athletes in general, you will be amazed how many of them are not fans of the sport
2: and do not watch at all. It is amazing. Yeah. Because, like, as a fan, you think that these people live and die by and do not care. A a lot of them don't. Yeah. it's Not that they don't care about their teammates and they care about this stuff. Yeah,
1: but, like, watching the game, like, no, no, a lot of them don't.
2: Yeah, like recruits they're like do you think a recruit really cares what happens in the game like you do like they don't care as much as the fans do so it's just yeah. kind of it's kind of funny. Okay, so that was uh blowout central. We got our number 7 team, UCLA Bruins. They went on the road to take on our number 5 team, Utah Utes.
1: So you know in the in the video game Red Dead Redemption 2, um, where you as Arthur are given the option of letting somebody you have tortured for information go or then killing them. (laughs) And the graphic for killing them is you leaning over them and just wrapping your arms or your hands around their neck and just slowly choking the life out of them, uh, which is really visceral. Uh, that was this game. This game was choking, just choking the life out of somebody. Uh, Utah did that to UCLA. Um, yeah where to begin? Um, so Utah won 14 to 7. Uh, now you're probably thinking no a defensive struggle and you would be right. Uh, seven of Utah's points came on the first play of the game, courtesy of Dante Moore and and Chip Kelly's play calling uh, where he threw a pick six um, on literally the first the first play of the game outside of a kickoff uh, and that put Utah up seven nothing. Those points by themselves could have been decisive until the last 4 minutes of the game. UCLA didn't score until 3:39 left in the football game.
2: Uh so that wasn't good. Uh so running you mean the ball- whole game like the first half didn't score? It didn't score. In well, the third the th- quarter obviously come out after halftime and score?
1: No, not this time. <laughs> uh and and then maybe like in the beginning of the fourth quarter make it interesting, right? Yeah. No. No, no, no. no. Um <laughs> So Utah was without a, a, a good amount of players. They did, importantly, and this was critical, they did get Junior Tafuna back for this game. And he was he was alarmingly stout up front. Um, big problems for UCLA offensively. Uh, Dante Moritz is a true freshman. Um, watching the game a second time, I actually wasn't I wasn't as down on his performance. Uh, the offensive line was terrible uh, at left tackle uh ucla had two guys uh each of whom i think allowed three sacks on their own um i don't even know i think they had five sacks total but it felt like three no no no. so they had seven sacks total yeah i think they each allowed three bruno fino was really bad in the first half to the point where he was benched kadir kunta came in and he was pretty good until the final drive where uh okay so down seven points with three minutes to go the defense has just gotten the ball back ucla gets the ball. Uh, They've had some success with max protect up to that point. Do they go max protect on this drive? I don't. No, they don't. They don't. They don't. They keep five offensive linemen in. Uh, Those five offensive linemen, as they have been doing for the entire second half, get beat. And Dante Moore is sacked on three of the final four plays of the game uh, to end it. Um, So offensively issues. Offensive line. Second, uh, Dante Moore clearly either doesn't have the option to keep the ball or Just isn't. Uh, I'm guessing he doesn't have the option right now uh, because Utah was literally when there'd be a handoff, they were all just chasing the running back immediately. So the backside defender would be catching the running back because they were not respecting the quarterback at all. Um, So that was a problem schematically that they really never addressed um and then uh yeah i mean dante moore uh was a little bit of a true freshman but they were doing stupid crap i mean they, they called the speed option at one point with a true freshman who's never run the option well end result he fumbles um so that was it offensively um utah offensively was not a whole lot better but they did move the ball better and they played the field position game to a t uh nate johnson was able to like you know Get them from their side of the field to midfield, or get them from their side of the field to the other side, uh, enough that their punter, uh, who's a god, uh, was consistently putting UCLA in horrible field position. I think Utah won the field position battle; they were like plus thirteen on starting field position. Um, and then defensively, they just shut down everything UCLA wanted to do. Uh, UCLA's defense was pretty good too; um, they did a nice job. But uh, this was just a, a, this was an old school Utah game. Didn't do anything offensively, but still just sucked the life out of you.
2: You know, in this modern college football world where people are playing for field positions and knowing you got a first down on that drive, it's going to like, oh, we're going to get an extra 15 yards of field position out of this one. That's what it felt like, which you just don't get like in college football much anymore. Um, We got this one wrong. Utah was favored by four and a half. I ended up getting at Utah minus six. Uh, There was a weird—when like I I tried to actually put the bets in my bookie, the game was off because everyone thought Cam Rising was coming back. And then when it was, it came back. It was Utah minus six, but then I think it came back down when they realized Cam Rising wasn't going to play. So I was off only by like one point on this one when I actually did the bet. Um, But yeah, uh, that's—you know, UCLA had some chances. What They had that fumble in the red zone— um, you know that, like you mentioned, getting sacked like three to last four plays, they had some opportunities. Uh, Utah, get this. So here's the stat line: Jonah Ellis. Uh, he had ten, this is a Utah defensive lineman, ten tackles, five tackles for loss, and three and a half sacks in this game. Mm. He was. A def- I voted this morning to him to be the defensive lineman of the year. He wasn't even the, the nomination from Utah for defensive player of the week of not of the year of the week uh because the guy that made the uh pick 6 in that game
1: yeah uh, Karen A. reed was really good
2: yeah so he's he was he was Utah's nomination nominee for Pac-12 defensive player of the week not the dude that had 10 tackles 5 tackles for loss and 3.5 and sacks
1: well reed scored which was the big right. thing but uh Jonah Ellis um he made life hell for UCLA's tackles um And it's, I think it's going to force UCLA to make a change at left tackle because Bruno Fina looked shook, like he looked, he he was struggling so bad in that first half um, that they couldn't go back to him. Um, So they got to spend the bye week rebuilding some confidence on that offensive line because it was really bad.
2: Yeah, not not so good there. Um, So here's here's the deal: UCLA in the Pac-12 era have had four games where they've scored seven points or less. Three of them were in Salt Lake City. Three of them were at Utah, mm-hmm. so makes kind of sense there. Uh, first nine drives, the Bruins went three and out six times. So, is that not good? Th- <laughs> <Look>. <laughs> Rushing yards, any other sacks? But Utah held Florida thirteen uh but they did a little bit better. UCLA only had 9. Yeah. Um Utah ran the ball 48 times. Well, so UCLA and also threw seventeen passes.
1: This is another note. Uh UCLA uh has two running backs. Uh one of them is fast, one of them is slow. Uh the slow one is the one they kept giving uh, outside runs to. Um which if you've uh seen the Utah defense Don't do that unless you have a really, really good offensive line. UCLA doesn't have a good offensive line. It also doesn't have a quarterback who's a threat to keep the ball. So everybody can chase after the slow running back. So often uh, a linebacker from the backside for whom the running back would have about a 10-yard head start uh, was getting to him at the line of scrimmage or behind it basically every time he carried the ball. Yeah. Um, Don't do that.
2: No. That'd be bad. Casey Freeman points out, and this maybe this is why he wasn't nominated for Pac 12 Defensive Player of the Week. Jonah isn't even listed number one on the depth chart. Yeah. So
1: <laughs> I, I I had some fun with Utah's depth chart when I was trying to write the stupid preview. And I'm like, yeah, this guy who plays a lot isn't even listed in there too deep. What is this? Uh thank you, Kyle Whittingham, for being a master of secrecy.
2: Yeah, uh pretty funny stuff. All right, we got one more game. Um, this was the uh the pack two championship game uh we have number six oregon state beavers (laughs) and number four and certainly could argue resume wise could be higher washington state cougars
1: absolutely i mean if you're just literally just basing it off on results this year i would say washington state has a claim for number one yeah um so this game was much more of a beatdown than the final score indicates. Uh, Washington State won 38-35. This was 38-21? Uh, no, it was 35-14 at yeah. one point. Um, yeah. Uh, so I'm going to start with Oregon State here because I think they have some decisions to make. Uh, DJU isn't the guy. Uh, I'm saying that firmly and definitively. <laughs> Breaking news, David is, says no DJU. This is back to back games where he's looked bad. Bad, bad, bad. Um, and I just I, I don't think you can continue with him. Uh yeah, he can he can run the ball okay. Yeah, he can throw a pretty deep ball, but just the the processing time, uh decision making into coverage, just it's it's not what you expect from an experienced player. And I think for them, um they gotta lean on their running game and they've got to have a different answer at quarterback. Maybe you take your lumps with Aiden Childs, but I don't know. Uh, DJU is not the guy. Um, and, and it put him in such a hole, because I think Washington State can be scored upon, uh, but Oregon State just... And, and I think Jonathan Smith is trying to put DJU in a position to succeed, and so he's given them, you know more to do. But I think if they just leaned on their running game, they would have been in better straights in this game, and they just didn't. So uh, I thought that was kind of a misstep. Um, but Washington State, I mean, that offense... That offense is scary. Uh, You know, there's not too many teams who have done this to Oregon State in recent times. Um, Scoring 38 and making it look easy. I mean, Cam Ward, uh, he looks like a different player and you got to give a ton of credit to that offense led by, you know, a kid who's 10 years younger than I am. Um, I mean, he only had six incompletions against Oregon State. This has been one of the most consistent defenses in the league the last three years. Um, and you know they ran the ball okay, but uh, this is Cam Ward's offense, and he's running it really, really well. So, yeah, I mean Washington State blew him out. Uh, it it got close late, but it was it was a really, really convincing win for them. Um, and then Jake Dickard, after the game was one of two coaches this week who picked on a 85 uh, year old man, which I respect. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know that's what that's what you should be doing with your post game press conference, uh, ripping into Lee Corso for I don't know. I mean. That 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 one felt a little – I mean, I was more a big fan of Ryan Day just ripping apart Lou Holtz because Lou Holtz is like one of the worst human beings who's ever lived. But Lee Corso, he's just a nice guy who had a stroke. Um, but the point was basically that uh, ESPN is what ruined college football. So what are you out here doing talking shit about our game? Because this was a really good game. Oh, uh, yeah. And, uh, and Washington State's for real, and they're going to make some teams in the league very unhappy this year.
2: No, for sure. They look uh, legit. I mean, just – the offense, such a difference from last year. What you think, you know, you bring Cam words like college coach and the offense is going to be better. No, it was terrible. But now uh, it's it's just like, you know, it's just so much better. Um, just love the way everything's going. Um, that, ta- that bomb to uh, Kyle Williams to start the game was just sort of like two-play drive, boom. Uh, Josh Kelly had two one-handed grabs. Uh, one of them being a touchdown catch. It was just crazy. He was being held one arm. And they're both. I don't know if he's a lefty, but they were both left handed catches. His one arm's being yeah. held. Catches it. It was like, what? So it was 35-14. And, uh, and Oregon State, I mean, I guess to their credit, they were still running the ball a lot. And maybe that's because like they feel what you felt. The DJU just wasn't the guy. They were, you know, you're down three touchdowns against a team that looks like they can score every time they touch the ball, and they still felt content like running it. But, they, you know, they were able to keep in it and kind of claw back. Um, It was an insane comeback. Uh, It just fell short for the Beavers. Um, And Cam Ward has 141 passing attempts without an interception this year. That is the most in FBS. But their offense looks so much better. Um, You know, just having a... You know, a, a better offensive coordinator does a does a lot. And I think it seems – Kim Ward seems very confident when he's back there. And uh, you got two guys going over 100 yards. you got one-handed catches. It's just a fun-looking offense. And you're not going to – you know, you're not circling going, you know, playing this game. You're not – not something you're looking forward to. You know what, Washington State, they be like your homecoming game. No, yeah, exactly. This team could screw you up.
1: Yeah, they could really mess you up. I mean, they missed a field goal too. I mean, this is a – they could have – They could have put a bigger pasting on them, to be honest.
2: No, I agree. All right. Well, why don't we take a quick break? We'll try to do some questions and stuff uh, before we wrap up this episode. But, yeah, it was a great week in the uh, Pac-12, and uh, we'll be back in a minute here.
0: eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential?
1: Yeah, so um people are making the point that uh Dickert misquoted Lee Corso and look, was his target bad? Yeah. I don't think you I don't think you pick on the stroke victim. Like I just Yeah. He's not I mean whether he says something bad or not, I mean it's basically, you know, uh things are coming out of his mouth that he's not necessarily intending. Uh and they shouldn't have him on T V anymore,
2: probably. Um Which sucks, but that's I agree, you know, it's hard. It's,
1: it's but but, uh, Jake Dickert, um, I, I don't know why, but he's not picking on the real culprit, which is pick on ESPN, uh, not, yeah. not Lee Corso. Uh, I think that's the better target. It's the more focused argument. Um, and I, maybe there's reasons they can't do it. I mean, obviously they're, they, they want to be part of a league that has ESPN as a broadcast partner. So it's probably best to play nice, but, um, yeah, I mean, the uh, uh, ESPN's the culprit. I thought th- I thought the game day stuff was kind of gross. Um, Pat McAfee, who's a just an absolute idiot, uh, he was um, uh, saying something like just this credulous dum dumb stuff. Like, <laughs> oh god, it's it's so amazing they couldn't get a TV deal done. I, I Can't believe they couldn't get a TV deal done to like all the other guys. And like to Reese's credit and Kirk, they didn't like say anything. They just kind of grinned sheepishly, but like yeah, they couldn't get a TV deal done because of your fucking network. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> um, and so it's just, I don't know. I mean, it's its all this stuff where they've got to, you know, they got to brand their own narrative and they got to feel comfortable, you know, saying all that kind of crap. But um, I can see how it would rub Jake Dickert wrong and rub Jonathan Smith wrong and rub, rub people who had investment in this league remaining a, an entity and a thing, uh, rub them all wrong too. And you know, I mean, it's just you know, we 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 cover UCLA and USC so people blame us for it, but it's not, I mean, uh, I've been against this from the jump. Um yeah. and uh coverage is a little bit different. They're they're employed by ESPN. They're employed by the entity that helped to destroy this. So you you don't have cover to to sit there and be like, "Oh man, can't believe they couldn't get a TV deal done."
2: Shut yeah. the fuck up. All right. Well, let's uh you want to go to the voicemail first? Sure.
1: Hey, you know, I've been listening to your guys' podcast for a couple years. And um, I just want to say your pick for UCLA this week, the game's not even over yet. You're dumb. Okay?
0: Just both admit, you're dumb. Utah's missing seven starters. Cam Rising hasn't started the whole year yet.
2: Dramatic pause. You guys are both right about a defensive
0: fight. But not giving Utah four and a half points, you're dumb. You're wrong. Game's not even over yet. You're wrong. Game wasn't even over yet at halftime. I knew you were both wrong. When you called it last week or earlier this week, I knew you were both wrong. Go you.
2: That is the drunkest voicemail we have ever received. <laughs> Pretty good one. Um, we were Utah was favored by four and a half points. I got it at six. I was off. I was wrong by one point, and it was because of the stupid pick six to start the game. Yeah. Uh, Without that pick six, we cover the spread. Like Utah would have won. Like zero now, it would field, have been a field goal. Late field uh, goal, uh, and they, and Utah wins, which we thought they would win. But yeah, could be close. Uh,
1: well, I mean, like there, and there's like a few moments in the. I mean, I didn't get into this because it's all the woulda, coulda, shoulda shit. But like. Josiah Norwood dropped a touchdown pass that was wide open in the first half of this game. Like, uh, one score changes the entire <laughs> complexion of this football right. game. Uh, a so, field goal. I mean, I, I appreciate doing a victory lap when you are just lit out of your mind. How do you get that drunk in Utah? That's what I want to know. It's hard. Yeah.
2: That's, you got to try very That's hard work. Um, respect. Respect. Yeah. Please send us more drunk voicemails. Uh, we do like that. Uh, let's see. We got email questions. I think the first one is from Peter. Uh, hey, Ryan and David. Uh, thank you for supplying this Midwest Bruin with in-depth Pac-12 knowledge, even if for only one more year. Hoping you will continue to track former Pac-12 teams as they infiltrate other conferences. I have several questions for you. Several meaning two. Uh, maybe there's multiple in the no, first one. No, there's multiple within this number one. Okay, so... I If you number your questions, then it should each be its own number. Maybe not like number one has five questions. Not ripping
1: into Peter. Okay. Ask his damn questions. What
2: responsibility does a coach have in managing the performance of a player and his future at the next level? Each player has only so many plays in a lifetime based upon how their body can tolerate and manage the stress and strain of their positions. Travis Hunter clearly has the talent to play every down on both sides of the ball. Is it in his best interest to play every game this season both ways and help the buffs as the potential, uh, at a potential detriment to his future? What responsibility does Coach Prime have at managing his future?
1: Um, I think, interesting question. I think they do have a responsibility. um, And I don't think it's ideal to play that many snaps um, because the more you play, the more likely it is you will suffer an injury. And, yes, there's some risk involved in just playing football. And I think if, you know, coaches were completely good-hearted human beings, they would quit their jobs and tell everyone to stop playing. However, um, uh, that's not realistic. But I do think you have to manage the uh, youthful exuberance of your players. I have no doubt Travis Hunter wants to play every snap, and he's been doing that for a long time um but i think he also
2: played video games during a game yeah
1: but as the adult in the room i do think you need to make more prudent decisions for your players um and that's not to say you can't play him both ways you can uh but it doesn't need to be virtually every snap of the game um play him mostly on defense and give him some stuff to do on offense you know critical down throw travis in there you know that sort of thing but he doesn't need to be running routes all game you know, locking into blocking on offense for, you know, running backs. I mean, it's just the the hit count, the uh, number of, you know, blows to the head, the uh, mileage on your legs, all this kind of stuff. I mean, there's a reason why they do all those looks at like running backs. And like, if you have usage over like 300 carries, you're going to break down the next year, like almost inevitably. Um, and there's just, there's a, there's wear and tear on a body. Um, and, uh, when you are going against better and better athletes, the wear and tear gets greater and greater, um, you know, and people say cornerback and wide receiver are not high impact positions. Sure. But those high impacts are more frequent and harder at the power five level than they were at the, uh, SWAC level. Uh, and those were more powerful than they were at the high school level. And as you go further and further up, there's a reason, like, there's a lot of guys who are exceptional athletes who don't play both ways. And there's reasons for that. I mean, Travis Hunter isn't the first guy who's been good at receiver and cornerback. Um, You, this doesn't need to happen. Uh, they, and especially given the, what they have at cornerback and receiver, those are the two positions on that team where you probably don't need as much help. So maybe just calm that down when he comes back.
2: Jim said, coach prime never played on offense. He just uh, played defense return punts. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. Like, I think you can use him as a, as a package guy, you don't need him. Uh, you've already proved he can play every snap. He's did a couple of games. You don't need to do that again. So I would just sort of move on from that. But when you're undefeated and you're on a roll, that's fine. Like you're not going to win all your games. You're going to like make a bowl team. You know, you, a good year, you'll go six and six and make a bowl, which is great, huge, but you don't need him playing every down. Yep. Uh And then number two, what long-term will have a greater impact on maintaining high level football team performance, NIL or the transfer portal?
1: Um, I think they kind of go hand in hand, so I would have to go with NIL uh, because I think a robust NIL program – so transfer portal acquisition, I think if you are forced to do too much acquisition, it means your program is not in good shape. Um, I think generally speaking, when you first start, you're going to hit the transfer portal hard. But if you have to continuously hit the transfer portal to maintain the status of your program, to bring it to the right level – If you're having to bring in many impact starters every single year in the transfer portal, your program is not in good shape. It should still be built through high school. And I think a big part of having a robust NIL program is player retention, keeping your guys who you're developing, who you're spending time on, who you're working on, who you're getting them involved in your schemes, keeping them from going elsewhere, keeping them from moving on. Um, So I think it's NIL uh, as a defense mechanism against the transfer portal, not necessarily for acquisition, though that does play a big role but also to keep your guys happy in the program. Yeah. Um, so I would say NIL uh, and and uh, the, the transfer portal is something to be feared rather than something. I mean, obviously, you use it. You're going to need it. You're going to need to get whatever, five, six transfers every single year. But when you're having to rebuild your roster through it uh, is where you can run into some major, major issues.
2: Yeah, I think it's fair. I mean, transfer portal is huge, but I think – you know, nil can be up there because it's involved on both sides too. Yeah, you know, recruit, but retention is a big part of it. People don't even realize. Thanks for all you do for Pac-12 football, from Peter. Thank you, Peter.
1: That was great. Uh, all right, so this is from Frank. Silver lining, uh, the listeners who like relegation should love it that Washington State and Oregon State are going away. If they win enough over the next few years, they'll be invited back up to the Power Four. Three. There are other teams who should be relegated too. Uh, relegation doesn't exist for them, and they won't be invited back up. To the power four or three. Unfortunately. Until there is some uh, equitable solution to college football, which yeah. is decades away.
2: Uh, all right. Thanks, Frank, for that. We did get – Is it It might be a, a text from – nice pick on the Utah game, you homers.
1: I like to believe it's two different Utah fans. Maybe it is. Yeah.
2: Am I a U- UCLA homer? Are you homer? a UCLA homer? Apparently. Wow. LA homer. Yeah. I, actually, I'm, I'm a Big Ten homer, so I'm yeah. like pro-Washington Pro Oregon, pro, pro UCLA,
1: the the not the victory lap from these Utah fans on a game they won by seven, which involved uh, virtually no offensive output whatsoever, is mm-hmm. is kind of throwing me. Right Literally now. a rock fight. Yes, <laughs> um, this is good. Anyway, this is from Brian. Baby coaches, a whole lot of multi millionaire coaches acting like big babies lately. We got Lincoln Riley banning a student reporter for something that means nothing. Ryan Day of Ohio State whining about the ramblings of a ninety year old man. Land Danning acting like he didn't self-create drama with Coach Prime. In Utah, Coach Whittingham was whining about Rising's health leaking to ESPN like it was the nuclear launch codes going to the Soviets. So I ask, why are rich college football coaches incapable of dealing with issues like normal adults? Is it that everyone kisses their asses so much? Anyhow, keep up the good mediocre pod. Can't wait for, the shows, for four shows next year to cover the 10 conferences the Pac-12 schools are escaping to a great question did we talk about the lincoln Riley thing last week i can't remember
2: you poopy diaper stuff yeah yes. yeah you did uh, by the way it wasn't a student reporter it was a reporter that if you didn't know looks like a student he's just young yes luca he's not uh but he was reinstated yes uh, yes um, um he because, asked the first question in the press conference it's everything seemed to be fine yes so
1: lincoln Riley has been potty trained uh he has he's he's in so what he's doing now is he's just wearing pull-ups at night Oh, okay. But he wears underwear during the day.
2: There's um, ones that like kind of uh, butt like they. Uh, yeah, you
1: just pull them up and you wear them at night because you're still not quite, uh, you know, bed trained. You're not sleeping through the got night you. yet. Okay. Um, so, uh, but baby steps, and you know, I'm not trying to knock him because anytime you hit that milestone in early development, um, that's a big thing. So I'm proud of Lincoln. I missed Whittingham
2: like complaining because i mean that line was moving right when there was i didn't rumors, see him
1: complain um when
2: there was rumors of rising coming back looking
1: and, at their two deep drove me crazy um because they don't list any of the injured as injured rank <sighs> keithy is still number one on their tight end depth chart
2: like at least on. it's not dalton kincaid at like, least he's this still is not listed.
1: this is the kind of stupid shit that drives me crazy um and not just as a reporter but just like as somebody who wants to consume this stuff i don't want to have to like Discover the mysteries of the earth to figure out who's going to be playing in this game, and there's no reason for it. No, the opposing coach doesn't think they're preparing for Brent Keithy. Like that doesn't—that's not a thing they think. Um, and yes, they have to prepare for Cam Rising because Cam Rising was warming up in this game, but everybody knew that. But you're just establishing this veil of secrecy for no reason other than uh, you don't want to be the one to admit it. I don't know, but um, it's going to be a good thing when we move on from this. Gambling becomes more profound. Gambling's horrible, but it does make all these leagues set rules on where you, when you have to report injuries and all this kind of stuff. The secrecy is so stupid. Yeah. Um. And uh, yeah. It's um. I don't know if it's self defeating, but it does hurt. Like, you know, there's a there's a frame of reference for that game that I think Utah fans could get into, where it's like we don't have anybody, and like that crowd could become even more uh rabbit where it's like we have to actually play a huge role in this game and force false starts and that whole thing we got to be super loud because you know there's no cam rising coming into this game um but even more than that i mean just it's entertainment it's it's all these kinds of things and um being able to like consume the game like and understanding all the factors going into it i think provides value to fans And there really isn't that much of a drawback for Kyle Whittingham. Um, Yeah. I mean, people knew Cam Rising was hurt. They knew if he came back in this game, he wouldn't be 100%. Like, it's just, I don't know. Um, And then the the Landanning thing I thought was fine. Uh, Ryan Ryan Day whining about a 90-year-old man. I think he was actually whining about a bunch of Ohio State boosters. But again, he had to pick somebody who wasn't an Ohio State booster to whine about. But I think he's heard a lot of arguments because Michigan beat their ass so bad last year that uh, their team isn't tough. So I think he was just picking the most recent one who said something. But he's probably feeling a little bit job threatened, which is an insane thing to say about a consistently top five coach. He's won 90% of his games. Um, But I think he's feeling – He's in the
2: top five every year. If
1: they lose to Michigan this year, there's going to be people who want him out.
2: Which is like insane,
1: but I think he's trying to make a make a make a case against a lot of the narrative and not necessarily what Lou Holtz himself. They said. were
2: a field goal away from winning the national championship last year. Yep, like crazy. Along those lines, um, this is uh, from Tag in Salt Lake City. Please roast my coaches. He says I enjoyed the rant about Lincoln Riley and his childish behavior towards the beat writers who cover the team. I think your comments are spot on, and you are right to roast him for being a big baby. Please do the same for my coaches. The Utah staff is one of the best in the country at the football stuff and do a great job running a program that has overachieved its way into the fringes of the upper echelon of the sport. I love them. I appreciate them. I respect them. And I'm absolutely sick of their paranoid attitude with the media, especially regarding injuries and player availability. I'm sure you realize uh, from the Cam Rising situation You're more likely to get a conference championship from UCLA than you are to get a Utah coach to be honest about a non-season ending injury. We don't talk about injuries, quote, except when they do, but no one else is allowed to. And if you try to, they'll find you and send the defensive line to your doorstep. My best guess is it comes from extreme competitiveness and some paranoid perception of competitive advantage. But the ridiculousness isn't just about injuries. We get almost no media viewing at spring ball, much less fall camp. Everything is treated like a state secret, and good journalists who want to cover the team and help fans connect with players get blackballed for trying to figure out what's going on. Please roast my team for being totally wrong here. Thanks from Tag.
1: Yeah, and I I see people always, uh, great, great, question i see people always like when i bring this up about ucla and being secretive they're like well it wouldn't matter if they were winning you wouldn't care and i'm like yeah true um and i don't think i I think for utah you probably run into the same thing if you complained about the lack of access a bunch of utah fans would you know just get in your face and say well they're winning so i don't care they could uh, they could have no media access as long as they're winning and that i guess that's true to an extent um I I think there's the marketing value of winning trumps everything else. But there is marketing value to opening up your spring practice so fans can come out and watch them, so they can get invested in it, so kids can you know, get autographs from players and do all that kind of crap. Um, That's valuable for the spring. Um, UCLA wasn't doing it for a while. Then they finally opened them up again. Uh, Utah should do it. Uh, All schools should do it. Spring ball is – you're not – like you're installing schemes sort of. Like, you're installing maybe base formations, but you're not really doing the, the the vast majority of it. What you're doing is trying out new players, seeing where guys fit, um, and just kind of uh, keeping guys in shape, keeping them in football mindset. Um, there's nothing – you're not divulging anything in spring. And, yeah, there's the occasional injury that happens. Well, there it's an injury in spring. If it's an injury in spring, you're going to know about it before fall camp comes around. Um, so just – you're not divulging anything. You should open up spring i'm i'm big on all coaches should open up everything uh Pete carroll uh
2: it's it, wide open
1: he was pretty good at usc right won a lot of games yeah yep um yeah wide open uh anybody could walk in i could walk in just you know and go check it out uh ucla for the longest time had a very similar approach where it was just you could walk in and uh this was back when ucla was like kind of good sometimes um there's just I I would need the case proven to me that it actually has a competitive disadvantage. I think it goes back to a lot of these coaches being overpaid. And then the natural stress that comes from being overpaid is that you think you're doing something important um, and you are stressed out about it. And then you get uh, you try to control things that you can control. And one of the things you can control are your policies regarding access. You can't control what the other team is going to do on the field. Uh, but you can control whether Luca Evans can come to practice. You can control whether the media can watch spring. Um, and so it's, I think it's trying to establish control over the things you can control. Um, and, uh, it ends up being, I think, detrimental to the fan experience.
2: Yeah. Hey Dave, um, I got to do another show. Do, do you want, we have a few questions left. Do you want to save those for our, our later show? Are you cool with that? Or? Yeah, it's fine. Really fun. Um, but yeah, it was great stuff. I know we went a little longer than I thought we were going to go just for a recap show, but uh really appreciate you everyone uh tuning in. Thanks for watching. What do we get on YouTube? We got a bunch, like 100 and, oh, we had like 136 people watching live. Yeah. Love it. Uh that's so awesome. Thank you for doing that and thanks for listening and keeping the show as part of your rotation. It's definitely been growing um every week and uh we love it. We love uh we love doing it. It's not the farewell tour. We'll figure something out, but uh, we'll see what that goes on there. But for David Edwards, I'm Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed the show, and uh, we will talk to you next time. Au revoir. Okay, picture this. It's Friday
0: afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.